This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position. From its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Another great college football weekend has come and gone as week five is in the books. Welcome back to Prospects 101, the show where we break down football prospects from all levels, talking high school, college transfers, college recruiting, NFL prospects, and of course the NFL draft. Prospects 101 is brought to you by our great partners of the show, Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. Remember, you can always interact with the show on social media. That's at Prospects 101 Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Big week five, as always, I am joined to cover all of that and more with my co-hosts, Brandon Pastel and Kenny Keller. Good morning, fellas. What's up, guys? How you doing? Good. Kenny, so you, I, you can see us now through our Zoom, because we have our Zoom up right now, and we can all see each other as we do this podcast. But as Kenny will see, as me and Glosson are at the same location around a, a round table, using one mic for this podcast. So let's see how this goes today. <laughs> Yeah, we're all uh, we all picked a good week to go. I guess quote unquote on vacation. I'm here in a condo in Myrtle Beach. You guys are in Charleston at Pastel's apartment. Sounds like we're living the good life this weekend, boys. That's right, man. We are indulging in the South Carolina lifestyle this weekend. Uh, but big news, man! I, out of everybody in the show, for all of our listeners, Kenny, you got big news about what you did yesterday. I want you to tell our listeners what what you have done now that Pastel and I have not done. Yeah, I went to the Arkansas State-Coastal Carolina game. It was amazing, the weather. It was like 72 degrees and sunny, nice breeze, good football being played. The Sun Belt is for real. Coastal Carolina is for real. They spanked Arkansas State yesterday. Just a, a really, really impressive team win. And, man, it was just good to see college football in person again. Like, it was just nice to go to a game. Like, it was like kicked back, enjoyed a couple uh, brewskis and just – Enjoyed it, man. It was it was beautiful. It was a perfect day. I love their uh, their their teal field. Yeah, like that. It's, it's like you know, Boise. You have the blue turf. Eastern Washington, you have the red turf, and at Coastal Carolina, you have the teal turf. 
Like yep. it almost looks like that old school like AstroTurf that, that used to be in like the Kingdome and the Astrodome. <laughs> That's kind of what it looked like. But no, we, we were super jealous that you were there yesterday. We, um, you know, you, you had uh, FaceTimed us a couple times during the game. Brandon and I were out with uh, at, at that you know at a couple breweries, which were great as always. But we had uh, we had a bunch of the games on all day, which was great. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of great football yesterday too. I think that's one of the things that I took away from game, uh, from week five and let's get into some of these score guys and just kind of get your instant reaction. So Florida takes care of business, uh, beat South Carolina 38, 24, uh, first upset of the day, TCU beats Texas 33, 31 as Texas do does what Texas does and fumbles on the one yard line with like two minutes <laughs> left to go. Uh, Bama absolutely dominated Texas A&M in all three phases of the game, beats them 52-24. Uh, Ole Miss, big-time winner for Lane Kiffin in overtime, beats Kentucky 42-41. Georgia absolutely handled Auburn 27-6. And then uh, kind of one that I didn't see coming, uh, Arkansas beats Mississippi uh, Mississippi State 21-14 as Mississippi State obviously put up a lot of the yards and points last week against LSU and really came out and laid a dud against Arkansas. So Arkansas broke their 20-game SEC losing streak yesterday uh, by being able to take an (laughs) SEC West win. Uh, So that's big for that program. Um, And then Clemson does what Clemson does, sitting there and took care of business on national television, beat UVA 41-23. to So what were kind of some games that stood out to you guys, and, and, you know, what's your instant reaction based on what happened? Well, the real contenders, please stand up. Like, will they stand up? Because right now, besides Alabama, besides maybe Florida, besides Clemson, like, everybody else right now is just laying an egg, whether it's Oklahoma, whether it's Texas, whether it's Mississippi State, whether it's Auburn. Like, all these other teams just look horrible. They don't even look like top ten teams, yet they're getting ranked up there. And to talk about them possibly being a a college playoff contender, and it's like, Will the real contenders please stand up? Because I don't know who is good right now in college football. Yeah, and, and you make a great point, Pastel, and I forgot to mention this one yesterday. Oklahoma loses another Big 12 game and loses to Iowa State. Uh, in Ames, Iowa State wins 37-30. to 30. But I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think aside from the top two or three teams, everybody else is just kind of blah. It just, yeah. just look ugly. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaways, you know, from the first quarter of the season is – is well, a the SEC is awesome. I think Alabama, Georgia, Florida are easily the top three, three of the top four teams in the country right now. And I know, granted, I understand the Pac-12 and the Big Ten aren't playing, but we're talking about what's currently playing. They're definitely top three, and Clemson's top four. Like I think those top four teams have easily separated themselves from anybody yep. else playing right now. So I think that's your contenders right now until Ohio State, until Oregon, until U Dubs lace lace them up. Those are your contenders and. You know, Texas losing to TCU was like the least surprising top ten loss I've ever seen in my life. Like it was, it, I wasn't surprised at all because they should—they're lucky they're not zero and two after after the their performance against Texas Tech last week. So, yeah. you know, they look bad. Mississippi State coming out and and not firing on all cylinders was kind of surprising. Um, I watched a little bit of the game last night uh, from the jacuzzi, and nice. it was um, it was it was weird, man. They moved they moved the ball. But they just couldn't like they would move the ball from like the twenty to the to like their their the opposing forty or thirty, and then they would just stall out every drive. It was weird. They put up a, de- a decent amount of yards. It wasn't amazing, but they just laid an egg in the 
once they got into plus territory, it was it was kind of mind boggling. I think that's Arkansas's first SEC win in twenty games now. It was. Yeah, yeah they were on a yeah. twenty game SEC losing streak going into the game yesterday. So good for them. Yeah, good for them. And I, and, and the, I know that the coach at Arkansas is new this year, and I, I, I apologize, I don't know his name. But Sam, I, Sam, Sam Pittman. I like him, man. I think he's going to be a good coach for them. Was, dude. Was, he's, he came from Georgia. Yeah, he was the O-line coach at Georgia, and he's known as, like, an elite recruiter, but you could tell the kids are just – there's a different vibe in Arkansas this year. Like, I don't think Felipe Franks is that good, and I'm not ready to crown Arkansas back by any stretch of the imagination. But you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Louisville last year. Not quite as good, but the team, there's just a different vibe. The guys are hyped on the field. It doesn't look like they quit. Like, like the last couple of years, it looked like they quit on Chad Morris, where it looks like Pittman has kind of tapped in and got them playing. Yeah. <clears throat> a couple other games yesterday that really stood out to me. SMU beating 25th-ranked Memphis 30-27. to Guys, I really like what I see out of SMU. Um, mm-hmm. Shane Michelle, I really I, I like that offense. Uh, we'll talk about a couple of those guys later in the show. And then <clears throat> Pitt, in my opinion, was the most overrated 3-0 and team I'd ever seen in my life that team stinks on ice and they showed it yesterday by laying a dud and losing to NC State 30 to 29 um it it just kind of shows you we covered a little bit earlier the top ACC teams you you know there's probably only two or three of them and everybody else are just kind of duds like I I thought Pitt was a dud just from the eye test I knew they were three and oh but it was hard for me to really put my finger on why I didn't like them, and I saw why yesterday. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting. But to your point, like, as I got my dog barking in the background, uh, just football teams in general, Duke almost beat Virginia Tech. Cincinnati, yeah, they beat USF, but the quarterback threw for, I think, three picks uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. UNC almost lost in Boston College. Like, that score is deceiving because he got picked off uh, trying to convert a two-point conversion to tie the game in the last minute. You at UCF, everyone thought the best team in Florida lost to Tulsa. No team looked good. Even the teams that won, it looked ugly. And it's just it's shocking across after the top four teams how bad everyone else is right now. Yeah. Hey, this reminds me a lot of 2007, guys. Anybody who watches college football remembers 2007 being absolute chaos. Multiple number one, number two upsets. Like, it, it, remember at one point it looked like it was going to be uh, Kansas and – West Virginia in the national title, then they lost, and it was supposed to be Missouri and somebody. And they, I mean, it was just absolute pandemonium. And I think 2020, we're going to see that again. Maybe not from the top two teams, because I do think Clemson and Alabama are just on a whole nother world than anybody else. But, um, I, I, dude, I would not be surprised if at the end of the year we look at the top four and go, okay, we expected Clemson and Alabama, but what? Who's third and fourth? That is yeah. crazy. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, if there was a year to do it, it's, it's, this, it's this season. All right, let's get into kind of some top storylines that came out yesterday. I want to make sure we cover this as a show because I think it's important for our listeners. And let's first cover Trey Lance. The Trey Lance Bowl, I guess, was played yesterday. Again, for those who don't know, North Dakota State is only playing one game this season, and that was yesterday against Central Arkansas. Trey Lance in the passing game, 15 for 30, 149 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. But what was more surprising was how effective he was with his legs. Add on an additional 15 carries, 143 yards, and two touchdowns on the ground as well. Four total touchdowns, one pick, uh, and again went 15 for 30 through the air. So what were your initial impressions, guys, on what you saw in, out of Trey Lance yesterday? Against Central Arkansas, it's a, it's a lower opponent, and really it's 
it was kind of an odd game to begin with for them to yeah. only schedule one game. But what, what were your instant thoughts about what you saw to Trey Lance? I, 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 I don't think he really hurt himself or helped himself yesterday. I think he just kind of affirmed that he's probably that third quarterback uh, in the draft behind Fields and Lawrence. Uh, you know, he's a top 15 pick. I think, I think we know just about the same about him before the game than we do prior to the game. I mean, he played well. He had four total touchdowns. The first half, he looked a little rusty. Um, in passing overall, throughout the whole game, he looked rusty. But it's also the first time he's played since, you know, uh, almost a year now, since the FCS National Championship. So, and, and he played a team that's played, I think, three games now. Central Arkansas, I think that was their third game of the season. So, I think he played well. I think he just kind of affirmed where he's at. He just like it, it just he's a top fifteen pick and he's the third quarterback in the draft. Like I don't think he did anything to necessarily go wow. I think he's a top five pick or do anything wow. He he looked like a bum. He shouldn't even be a first round pick. It, it was pretty much neutral. I think. So so Glessner asked me yesterday. He was like, "Who does he remind you of in the NFL?" And I really cannot think of anybody. I know Kenny's mentioned he looks a lot like Justin Fields, which I agree with. But in the NFL, there's nobody he really compares to. The one guy I kind of thought of this morning, the most accurate comparison for NFL quarterback was Josh Allen for the Bills because he's a powerful runner. However, I think uh, Trey Lance is a faster runner. Like he's, he's a better mm-hmm. runner than Josh Allen, but he can take down other guys on defense, right? And then he has a very powerful arm, but not always the most accurate quarterback. So I think he's, like, Kenny, to your point, he's probably the third best quarterback. He doesn't really turn the ball over. That was his first interception in college uh, yesterday, that interception he had. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, he looks like Alvin Kamara when he runs the football. Like he, people just slide off him. He's slippery, but he's also very powerful. He just has to you know, have a higher completion percentage to be very effective in the NFL. I agree with you, Kenny. I don't think he hurt himself yesterday by any means, especially because it's only one game. Evaluators are going to be able to get their hands on him by looking at his uh, redshirt freshman season as well as look at combine, pro days. And what you see there is what you get, in my opinion. His film is good enough from last year, regardless of what would have happened this game. So I think we're looking at a a first-round quarterback and certainly a franchise player. Uh, Other news that came out yesterday, the Pac-12 released their schedule. For those that uh, haven't been paying attention to how the Pac-12 will work, every team will have six games, so it'll be five in-division games and one crossover game. So, for example, if I'm UW, I I have to play one person in the South. And so with that, and then obviously the winner of the North and South will still play in week seven in the championship game, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun to see because I believe the Pac-12 is really up for grabs. A couple of things that stood out to me, the my University of Washington Huskies drew extremely well by drawing Arizona out of the South, so I like to see that. But what's interesting is what the schedulers did by putting UW and Oregon as the last game of the season in the North. I could easily see both UW and Oregon going into that game undefeated because Oregon Oregon actually drew poorly. <laughs> actually, no, I'm sorry. I'm looking at no, – they drew Washington. well. Yeah, no, they drew well. Yeah, I'm sorry. They drew UCLA. I was looking at Washington State. Washington State drew USC. I was like, ooh, that's a tough one. But Oregon drew – uh, UCLA in the middle of the season. So Oregon can come in undefeated as well going into week eight against UW, which would then <clears throat> really set up a matchup. Winner will go to the Pac-12 championship. And then I think the South is kind of open here. I think USC looks like they drew uh, Washington drew, State out of the yeah. North. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but they start off with Arizona State. And I think Arizona State is probably the second best team 
in the South. So that one's going to be a big, uh, big matchup in week one. So kind of instant reaction. What did you think about the schedule release yesterday? I think the Pac-12 is smart because they positioned probably their top three teams as as with easy draws from the opposite division. Washington got um, – you said they got Arizona. Arizona. Uh, Oregon got, uh, it looks like, UCLA, and SC got Wazoo. Like, I, I, all three teams, I think, are very beatable, especially with Wazoo having a, a coaching change this year. Mike Leach is no longer there, so who knows what Rolovich is going to do in his first year at the helm. So I, I think the Pac-12 hedged their bets and said, hey, let's give USC, Washington, and Oregon the best, the ample opportunity to go undefeated so we could maybe have an outside shot at making the playoff. And why do they have an outside shot right now? Because the Big 12 will not get a team into the college football playoffs. Like, they suck right now. So the only chance that the Pac-12, the seven-game schedule, has a chance to make it to the playoffs is for a team to run it and win the Pac-12 championship so they have to go 8-0. and no. That is the only chance a team in the Pac-12 have, have a chance to make it to the uh, college football playoffs. And it sets up perfectly for a Washington versus Oregon, probably two top ten teams, to face off in the last game of the year. And that person, hopefully that team will have a chance to play in the college football playoffs if they win that game. Yeah, we, we, I mean, we'll certainly see about that. I mean, they definitely have to run the table, no doubt about it, with having one less game. But they're all conference games. So <clears throat> that'll be an interesting storyline as they get into play. And, those, you know, everybody listening out there, Week one for the Pac-12 will be November 7th. That'll be the week after the Big – the actually, that's two weeks after the Big Ten starts. So, you know, they're ramping up. I know Mario Cristobal said that most of the schools are actually getting into their two-a-days and their practices starting on Friday. They've been doing a lot of speed training, um, getting in shape, technique work, but they'll really put the pads on and really get ready to go this week. And so I'm excited to see the Pac-12 <clears throat> back in action, certainly me being a Pac-12 fan. So – Let's go ahead and cover some week five items, guys. Stock market, prospects on the rise. Pasto, who were three guys that you felt really stood out yesterday and made headway with draft evaluators? This one's a tough one. Reggie Roberson, honestly, was probably the best receiver, not necessarily from a draft stock standpoint, but the best receiver in college football. For the first three or four games, the guy was leading the country in like touchdowns, receptions, yards, everything about it. And then yesterday, he goes out there against – Memphis, who people would argue T.J. Carter is one of the best cornerbacks, and absolutely just obliterates them. Five receptions, two TDs, 243 yards, averaging 48 yards a catch. And honestly, he could have had more if he didn't have a non a non contact injury on that play. Like he, I don't know, I don't know the analysis yet as far as like what happened to his leg. It looks like he probably tore something, so he's probably going to be done for the rest of the year. And that's where his draft stock will hurt himself. Because now this is back to back years where he hurt himself. But through the first four games, he absolutely looked like a top-10 receiver going into the draft next year, absolutely just blowing people off the line, to include, like I said, T.J. Carter, who everyone liked. Travis Etienne, yes, he's doing the same thing he's been doing for the last three years in college football, just absolutely obliterating anyone that comes in his way. The difference with yesterday is the thing the scouts wanted to see was can he catch the ball out of the backfield? He had five catches, 114 yards, and a TD to go along with 73 more yards on 14 touches out of the backfield. He's kind of just solidifying himself right now as the number one running back in college football. But being able to catch the ball just kind of really shows that he can be a three-down t- three back next level. The last guy, we talked about this guy as a prospect to watch. But now he is an absolute riser on, on draft days, our draft boards. Zayden Collins, he had 10 tackles yesterday, three and a half tackles for losses, an INT, and he also had a safety against UCF. And now we can finally say this actually meant something because they beat UCF. You know, 
you know, Dylan Gabriel said he's they're the best team in Florida. Bull crap. Not not anymore. Not when not Tulsa has anything to say about it. But absolutely mm-hmm. stellar, stellar performance by uh Zayvon Collins. And I don't think he's gonna be a surprise anymore as we move forward for the rest of college football. Yeah, I, I agree, Ren. I think um Zayvon Collins, you've been high on him since a couple of weeks now, and he he looks like he belongs. Uh, Etienne, definitely the best running back in the in the nation. So for me, I, I had a couple guys that really caught my eye, and obviously being at a game was a little different. So and we'll get into that in a second. But the first guy that caught my eye Friday night was Zach Wilson. Uh, BYU's for real, guys. I I really do think that they're a legit team. I think they could be potentially one of the best G five teams in the country, if not the best G five team. Zach Wilson looks like he belongs in that offense. He was twenty four twenty six. 325 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, they're just well-rounded. I think this is the third game in a row BYU scored over 40 points, and they're just out there kicking the crap out of people. I thought he looked great. I thought Mac Jones looked really good for Bama. Um, You know, Bama, he does benefit from having some of the best weapons in the country, but still, I mean, to put up 435 yards, four touchdowns on a Texas A&M team that is supposed to be, quote-unquote, you know, a, a a contender this year, I think was incredible. I, the way he hit Jalen Waddle in stride for a beautiful, I think it was like a 78 yard touchdown pass. I mean, he looked really good. Deuce Vaughn is another guy running back out of K state that I've kind of had my eye on the last couple weeks because he's only five, six, he's five, six. He's super. He, he looks like a, looks like he doesn't belong. Aaron Sproles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's five, five, 175 pounds. Doesn't he look like he belongs on the field. What does he do? For the third week in a row, he has over 100 yards rushing, and then he has, like, close to 100 yards receiving. Absolutely incredible. Two touchdowns yesterday, 27 yards a catch, 7.1 yards a carry. The guy is absolutely electric and is a big reason why K-State has been winning the games they've been winning the last couple weeks. And then another guy caught my eye is your boy, Pastel, Khalil Herbert. Solely the reason Virginia Tech won that game. I I really do. I really think so. I mean, at a a day where Braxton Burmeister looked like absolute trash, I mean, he was 9 for 25, just awful. Khalil Herbert has 208 yards, averages over 10 yards a carry again for the second straight week and two touchdowns. Absolutely incredible uh, performance by Khalil Herbert, and I think he's a big reason why Virginia Tech is going to be able to overcome poor quarterback play this year. Now, two guys – that caught my eye in person yesterday. Obviously, we mentioned that I went to the Arkansas State Coastal game. Two guys that really stood out to me, Grayson McCall, the quarterback, looked calm under pressure. Arkansas State, a lot of times, had guys in his face. He made the right read a ton of times throwing the football. He was 20 of 29 for 322 yards and four touchdowns, averaging 11.1 yards in attempt. He was throwing the rock all over the place. He, he had one bad pick. And I'm going to chalk that up as to just one of those plays where he was trying to make too much happen. It was later in the game, and I think he was just kind of feeling himself, and he was out there scrambling around. He probably should have thrown the ball away. Instead, he threw the ball across his body, across the field, and we all know how that turns out nine out of ten times. It wasn't a good pass. But overall, I thought he looked spectacular. He's he's a dual-threat guy. You know, they run a very, very – if you go back and watch a lot of mid-2000s West Virginia – that's what this offense reminds me of, that Coastal runs, and he runs it to perfection. He might not be quite Pat White, but he definitely throws the ball a lot better than Pat White did too. So very fun to watch him play. And then on defense, Teron Jackson, two sacks, two tackles for losses, a couple quarterback hurries. Like He was in whatever quarterback Arkansas State threw out yesterday, whether it was Lane Hatcher or Bon or Logan Bonner, 
He was in their face all game. He was in the backfield consistently. He was very quick. His first step, a lot of times he was the de- he was the defensive end closest to my side, and he was his first step was incredible. He was out there just beating the tackles left and right. It was inc- it was it was it was nice to watch. It was good to see him in person. I think these are two guys who could definitely be playing at the next level uh, when their time comes in the NFL because I think they both have really really great skill sets. Love featuring Coastal there, Kenny. Uh, I, th- I think that that team has come across and really surprised a lot of people with really how good they are beating in our, in my opinion, a pretty good Arkansas State team and program. And that remember that Arkansas State. Uh, state team has had some big wins along the way. So for Coastal to go in and completely dominate them at home, I think just tells you what kind of talent they have down there at Coastal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, before we get into some stock market, uh, stock market falls and uh, guys who didn't impress yesterday, I would like to add a couple guys that, that I thought played really well yesterday. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Kadarius Tony led the uh, Florida Gators in receiving yesterday, six catches, 87 yards on the touchdown. And then Kyle Pitts, guys, still continues to be just rack up touchdowns, had two more yesterday in Florida's dominating win over South Carolina. So I think just to note that those two guys will probably be playing on Sundays next season as Kadarius Tony is not only their number one receiver, but, you know, senior, a lot of experience and looks to have a great breakout 2020 here. So very impressed with those two guys yesterday. So now let's cover some guys that really fell off and didn't stand out yesterday. So, Passel, you've got two quarterbacks on here, and one of the quarterbacks was a stark market riser last week. So explain to me why you have K.J. Costello on there as a faller this week in your rankings. I thought he was overrated from a prospect standpoint. Like obviously, in the air raid offense, we knew he was going to throw up stats. But when people start talking about Heisman, people start talking about day one, early day two picks, I'm like, dude, we are overreacting way too much on a quarterback that I don't think is bad. Like, I don't want to make it sound like I don't think he's bad, but when we were making him rise up, and not even we, but, like, America was making him so much better than what he was actually, I put it as a faller only because of the hype he got last week. So, like, I still think he's a, a third, fourth-round pick. Like, that's where I've had him the whole time. I think he's going to have games like this where he throws three INTs. Again, he threw the ball 59 times, and while he threw 43 completions, 313 yards is nothing when you throw it almost 60 times a game. Like that, that's three, four yard, uh, yards at a time almost. Uh, not to mention he was missing high a lot, and that's where those interceptions came. Anytime a quarterback misses high, then he's forcing things. And that's it, 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 arm release things. I mean, that's, that's a bunch of things that he's got to clean up. Now, all that being said, again, like I think he's a good quarterback. I think he fell because I think last week people just overhyped him way too much. That next guy, Sam Howell, almost for the same reason. Sam Howell's kind of struggled. This year, he's only got three TDs. He's, only, he's got three interceptions so far in two games. And while they've won, they have won ugly in both games. And, I mean, at points in the game, you could have made an argument that UNC was going to lose that game. And you don't expect that out of a guy that we all thought, again, he's only a true sophomore, so he's got another year anyways. But we thought, you know, he's a top ten quarterback in college football, probably going to be a, a first-round pick uh, in a year from now. Uh, he's just not playing one like right now, and neither is UNC. The last guy, I kind of mentioned him earlier, You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Now, ordering is easy. All you have to do is open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with their new contactless delivery drop-off 
setting. Now you can choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Also, many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your first order and zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the promo code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget the promo code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. TJ Carter, everyone talked about him being a first-round pick. He got absolutely smoked by Reggie Roberson multiple times. He got put in a spin cycle out there and just falling over as Reggie Roberson is running 85 yards down the field and probably would have had another 85-yard touchdown if he didn't you know, probably tear his ACL, which looks like what happened. I'm not trying to say he did, but there was a non-football contact or non-contact injury that he just fell down. That was a wrap for him. By the way, he did all that in about three and a half quarters, Reggie Roberson. And so, that, so TJ Carter, I think that's kind of – I won't say that's who he is, but it was a very bad game versus a good receiver that he needed to have on game tape. For scouts to, you know, kind of project him to be a second-round pick, first-round pick next year, I I don't see him as that guy anymore. Interesting. You had two quarterbacks on there. And, Kenny, I'm looking at your list. Looks like you have four quarterbacks. So there was a lot of guys that really kind of hit their – or their stock really took a fall yesterday at the quarterback position. Uh, Why don't you start with your first SEC quarterback that you have here? Yeah, it, it just frustrates me because I, and I'm, I'm big on the quarterbacks falling this week because these guys are costing their teams potential, potential significant historic seasons for their programs. The first one, Bo Nix. Didn't lead his team to a touchdown drive all game. Lost 21-6. to He's a fraud. I, I don't think he's good. I, I, we've talked about it on this show before, Gless. You and I are not big fans of Bo Nix, but he just did nothing yesterday to prove to me that, that he can – play well against elite competition. It's just, uh, he, I, I think he's overhyped. I, I felt last week everybody talked about his stats and his numbers. And if you didn't watch the game, yeah, his box score looked good. But if you watched the game last week, I think he had two screen passes that he threw to receivers that went 50-plus yards. Um, Seth Williams bailed him out multiple times against Kentucky uh, by mossing dudes in the end zone. Like, I just did not think Bo Nix was impressive, and he proved to be the real Bo Nix against uh, Georgia yesterday. Again, did not lead Auburn to one single touchdown drive yesterday. Uh, another guy I was really disappointed in is Charlie Brewer. A lot of people talked about, like, hey, Charlie Brewer's the real deal. He's a Heisman dark horse. Ba- Baylor was good not because of not just because of Matt Rule, but because Charlie Brewer is an elite quarterback in the Big 12. Yeah, well, he averaged six yards passing attempt yesterday, like per attempt. That was it. He was checked down Charlie yesterday, and he still threw two interceptions. Anything he threw further than 15 yards down the field yesterday seemed like it either got picked off or was close to being picked off. They lost to West Virginia. I think West Virginia is a decent team, but I didn't think they were quite on Baylor's level this year. They definitely weren't on Charlie Brewer's level this year. Charlie Brewer looked inconsistent. He looked like he didn't know where he want, what he wanted to do with the football. I was very disappointed in that. Uh, another guy, Brady White. Memphis wins that game if Brady White doesn't have three awful turnovers. He drops a he, – he fumbles late in the game. He throws two picks, and they still only lose by three. If he's just decent, if he doesn't make the mental mistakes that he makes yesterday, they win the game, and Memphis is, is talked about as an AAC title favorite instead of SMU now. Uh, so I, from that standpoint, I, I think when you look at the score and look at the game, 30-27, to 27, if he just plays – mistake-free football, 
they win the game, and I think they win it probably pretty easily because they had to dig themselves out of a hole to start with because of the mistakes he made earlier in the game. And then this is the last time I'm going to talk about my next guy. And I I think it's such a travesty that he cannot figure out how to play the quarterback position, and that's Desmond Ritter. And you might look at the box score and you're going to go, well, dude, they won 28-7 to yesterday. Cincinnati beat USF 28-7. to Well, I got, I, got, I got news for you. One, USF might be the worst um, FBS team in the country. They're awful. And to only put up 28 points against them, when you force five-plus turnovers as a team is embarrassing. Embarrassing. Desmond Ritter threw two touchdowns and three picks yesterday against an awful USS, as USF team. I can't even talk. He's got me so frustrated right now. <laughs> it, it, Cincinnati is the best G5 team in the country if they have a capable quarterback, and they don't. And this guy just keeps regressing. He regresses every year. Listen to this. His freshman season, he had 20 touchdowns, five interceptions. Last year, 18 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Now he has six touchdowns and four interceptions, and he's going backwards every year. And if I'm if I'm fickle, you've got to at some point think about pulling the plug on this guy and just see what you have because he if he plays like this against SMU, if he plays against this like Memphis, if he plays against better AAC competition like this, they're going to lose and they're going to ruin. And oper- one of the best G5 teams we've seen in a long, long time. Because Cincinnati legitimately has a top 10 defense in the country. Yeah, so I actually was thinking about putting Desmond Ritter on my He Stinks Coach segment this week, but I left him off because I specifically knew that Past Hour Kenny would go on a three-minute rant <laughs> about how terrible he is. So, Kenny, you actually saved me on that before getting into my He Stinks Coach, which, by the way, I was thinking this week, I- I've got to be able to reach out to, like, Old Spice or, like, Dove I mean, I, I have to be able to get a sponsor for this segment. It's got, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Some Old Spice. You brought, you know, he stinks, coach. He, he stinks. I, I gotta, <laughs> hey, he stinks, coach. Presented by Brute. Yeah, there we go. That's right. <laughs> All right, uh, for uh, first guy, I'm gonna stick with quarterbacks here. Kenny, you, you touched on him a little bit, so I won't go into a lot. Uh, I won't go into a lot of detail. Bo Nix, I thought, stunk up the joint yesterday. 21 for 40, only 177 yards. His average yards per completion were 4.4, was 4.4 yards. means he was dinking and dunking, couldn't find anything downfield. Uh, No touchdowns, one pick. Like I said, didn't even lead him, or like Kenny said, didn't even lead him on a touchdown drive. I think he's a fraud. For some reason, people love Bo Nix, and I can't really understand why. All he does is throw screen passes. I just don't think he's a very capable quarterback. I think it's early in his career he can turn around, but I thought he stunk yesterday, Coach. He stunk. You know who else stunk? The Louisiana Tech running game. Justin Henderson and Luke Anthony average of 2.3 yards per carry, 24 total carries between them as they got waxed by BYU on Friday night. But a lot of that had to do with the inability to get the running game going. Again, you're not going to win very many games when you average 2.3 yards per carry. So they stunk on Friday night, Coach. The other the other running game that was terrible yesterday, and because this team is a fraud, and I was glad to see them go down yesterday, but University of Pittsburgh in their running game, 30 carries for 80 yards, 2.7 average. So it's Vincent Davis and then – uh, Kenny Pickett also had 15 of those 30 carries. Again, total of 2.7 yards. 
<clears throat> yards. And I will say this, the reason that they were so bad, the week before Virginia Tech had over 300 yards of rushing against that NC State defense. So I thought that Pitt was going to be able to go and run the ball, but they were awful yesterday on the ground. Vincent Davis, he stinks, coach. Not not good. And then the last, not really a player, but a unit that I have on here, Guys, the Oklahoma de- the the Oklahoma defense they stink, coach. They look like they were playing slow motion all night. They gave up 417 total yards to Iowa State. Also, Iowa State was six for ten on third down. So not only could Oklahoma not stop Brock Purdy in the third and fourth quarter, Oklahoma couldn't get off the field. Right, big money downs didn't happen for Iowa State. Oklahoma defense, again, is terrible. They've been terrible for a while. This is why, in my opinion, they should not be considered a playoff potential team until they fix the defense. Uh, And that's going forward because, yeah, they can be able to score 40, 50 points a game, but it's just not sustainable. And we saw that last year in the college football playoff. We saw it the year before against Alabama. I mean, you have to be able to stop somebody. And last night they looked like they were in total slow motion against Iowa State. And, again, Oklahoma now is one and two. Really kind of terrifying if you're Lincoln Riley. I mean, you got to figure it out. you got to figure it out on defense. And I don't really know what to do. Um, But they just look like they're in slow motion. But they stink, Coach, especially especially on defense. I don't know. I I, I just don't know how they turn around, Kenny, on defense. Gless, being a coach, why can't Oklahoma play defense when they have four- and five-star talent? And I don't think it's necessarily a developmental problem like we see at Florida State versus at Oklahoma because Oklahoma plays good football for the most part. But why can't they figure out a defense? Why can why, why does that continue to hold them back year after year after year when they have that kind of talent coming in? You know, I just don't think they're very good up front. I don't think their defensive line and linebackers particularly really stand out to me. I think skill-wise and secondary-wise, I think that they have that the talent there to be really good. Up front, I just feel like they get pushed around. And I, I feel like they got pushed around against the best talent. And then even yesterday and the week before, just it just didn't sit right with me. Yeah, I think that you can always clean up the stuff in the secondary, but if you're not good on the defensive line and have really good linebackers to establish that line of scrimmage, they just look extremely average. And I'm not really sure why that is, figuring how well they've recruited uh, up front. And you can find really good defensive line talent in Texas and in Oklahoma. And Oklahoma is also a national brand. You should be able to go places and get really good defensive line talent I just don't think they're good up front, and I think that affects everything. It affects the back end because quarterbacks now have all this time to go, you know, to be able to throw the ball. So that's – when I watch Oklahoma, that's what I see. I just don't think they're very good in the box. They're not good up front, and they're just not powerful. They don't put natural pressure on guys. You know, you see that in the SEC week in and week out. There's really great teams. They're really good up front. Oklahoma is not good up front. Um (laughs) And they can't seem to get any pressure together. Makes sense. So, Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's just what I see What I see there. All right, guys, so uh, I've got four questions for you guys. I have it here as rapid fire, but it doesn't have to be rapid fire here. Just give me a little bit of an explanation. Um, so you're the Heisman Trophy, your current vote. Kenny, let's start with you. Matt Jones. I like the way he looks. I think he's I think he's going to put up the numbers, and I think they're – I think he's going to – I think he's going to – Put up better numbers in T Law just because I think I think Alabama has such great skill players that his numbers are going to trouble him and they're going to be toe to toe with Clemson. 
Okay, I'm going to go uh, Trevor Lawrence. I think the problem with Trevor Lawrence is everyone has already that expectation that he's the best quarterback ever pretty much as a prospect, which I think is not fair because no, he's getting no love. I mean, the guy has seven TDs, zero picks. He's got a 90, 91 overall QBR for the year. And it's just like – I know it's expected, but that's why he's getting no love, even though he's still performing at an all-time high right now and should be the, the favorite for Heisman. Yeah, I'm going to go Kyle Trask here, guys. Ten total touchdowns so far. He's looked completely uh, completely dominant from the quarterback position. He's kind of having a season that reminds me of what Joe Burrow did last season. So I really like what I see from Kyle Trask. So if I had a Heisman vote, mine would be uh, for Kyle Trask, uh, the quarterback for, for Florida. Uh, the SEC, will there be two playoff teams? Yes, I think so. I think it'll be Alabama and Georgia. Um, I mean, they're gonna, you can make an argument for Florida. If Florida beats Georgia, then they're probably the second team. Uh, but, yeah, I think it'll be two two teams for sure. I'm, I'm with you, Kenny, two teams. Uh, yeah, I mean, no surprise here. I think they'll, they'll get two teams in there, especially with the Big 12 the way they've been. And I think that there is an outside shot that Notre Dame gets in, but I, really the things have to fall. So I think the SEC team, the SEC will have no problem getting two teams in there. Um, biggest disappointment so far that we're a quarter of the way through the college football season? Navy. You won 11 games last year, and then you just lost to an Air Force team by like a billion who was missing 40 players. Like, if they, they've played two quarters of football all season. They're very lucky Tulane just absolutely collapsed because they, they in my opinion, they look like the worst FBS team. Yeah, they suck. Yeah. I'm going to go Texas uh, right now just because Oklahoma – isn't it going to win the Big Ten or Big? Yeah, sorry, the uh, the Big Twelve this year. So this was following your opportunity. You had a lot of seniors coming back. You have the court, the top returning quarterback for the most part in that conference coming back. You had every reason to take the Big Twelve this year, and then they've now they've only lost one game, but they should have lost two now, and they they just look horrible. They're a disappointment in my mind. Yeah, I'm gonna go Oklahoma here. Oklahoma has been very disappointing, uh, specifically on defense. But both games they lost, guys. They've really collapsed in the second half. They've collapsed uh, in the fourth quarter. So I, I, it's just so disappointing. When you're supposed to be an elite program, those are the moments where you really put your foot on the gas and really overtake games. They've been extremely disappointing. And honestly, on offense, they haven't really been that good either, uh, you know, com- compared to where they've been in years past. So I think the biggest disappointment for me a quarter quarter of the way through the college football season, definitely Oklahoma. Now the biggest surprise a quarter of the way this a quarter of the way through the season. Man, I gotta say right now for me it's Matt Corral, quarterback at Ole Miss. What Lane Kiffin's doing for him, at, you know, in that offense is incredible. In two games, he has 715 yards, uh, averaging almost 12 yards an attempt with seven touchdowns. I, he's already eclipsed his touchdown total from last year and. Uh, I think like five or six less games. I mean, he looks incredible. He looks like he's he's a real deal, man. That all he looks that offense looks potent. I, I'm very impressed with the sophomore Matt Corral. Yeah, I'm gonna go Mac Jones for Alabama. We all know we didn't need a great quarterback for him to go back to the championship, but he's playing like a great quarterback right now, which is a scary thing for everybody else in the country because he's playing. I mean, he's got the third highest QBR in college football right now. He is playing elite right now, and that is scary for the rest of the teams in the SEC and in college football. Yeah, so I've got two here. First one, I mentioned a little bit earlier, Kyle Trask, quarterback from Florida, 10 total touchdowns so far. Looks like he's in complete control back there. Again, I think he it's looking to me to be a similar type of year that Joe Burrow had last year, just the way he's able to distribute the ball. He's got great skill players. You know, Florida, to me, on defense still has some room to grow, but offensively, man, they're going to score a lot of points, and they're going to give Georgia – 
everything they can handle when they play in Jacksonville. And really that the winner of that will play in the, the SEC championship. Um, I, I've got two others that I think are that are worth noting. Um, first is going to be Shane Bichelle and, and SMU. Shane Bichelle leads all of college football in QBR at 170, 10 touchdowns, two picks. He's already at 1,300 yards now. They have played a significant amount more games than, um, than like the SEC, for example, even some of the ACC. But I really like what I've seen out of him. He's been a very pleasant surprise for me, uh, you know, how well he's played and how well SMU has played. And I think that they're really going to have a shot in the AAC there to, to really take it and, and give Memphis all they can handle, give uh, Cincinnati all they can handle when they play later this season. So um, that's, what, that's, that's who I have as my surprise. I don't know what you guys think out of Kyle Trask, but I'm super bullish on him, man. I I, I was so impressed with him yesterday. Yeah, he, he's. Buster mentioned it. He's uh he's the next Joe Burrow coming to the SEC. Uh oh, that's a that's a strong statement right there. I think he's definitely playing himself into a first round pick. I mean, he has the size. He's what six five, two forty. Big boy. I mean, how inc- how incredible is it, by the way, that he didn't start a game from his freshman year of high school till last year? Yeah. Like, because he backed up Garrett King in high school, and which is, makes me really bummer that Miami doesn't play Florida this year. I would love to see that rematch or that matchup. But I, it's yeah, he plus he by all accounts is playing himself into a first round pick. Uh, you know, I think if you need a quarterback this year, you're definitely going to be sitting pretty with Kyle Trask, Trey Lance, uh, Justin Fields, and Trevor Lawrence as as your pretty much bona fide first round picks. Yeah, no kidding. And that's what's going to be interesting to see um, is what NFL teams are going to go for a quarterback because you've got four that can go in the first round that are pretty darn good. Um, so we'll see there. Well, as always, you can follow Prospects 101 on social media at Prospects 101 Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, always releasing our shows and content on there. So great way to stay up to date, interact with the show. Please make sure that you subscribe and uh, or subscribe to Prospects 101 on your favorite podcast platform. Most popular ones are, are Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but you can find us on anywhere where you can listen to podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher, uh, you name it, we're on it. So you know, make sure that you download that. We always, as always, appreciate a five-star review. It's a great way to support our show and in order to get us in front of more, uh, more eyeballs and ears. Uh, and then for Pastel and for Kenny, or we will be back later this week to preview week six in college football. The wait is finally over. Football is back. My soul cries out hallelujah. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.